Some of you were here on Saturday afternoon, and I know some of you have heard the announcement before that we had a GSO ceremony this Saturday um, for the purpose of coming together to um, have some space to um, acknowledge our grief, perhaps because someone that we loved has died, or there may be other losses that we experience uh, in our situational life, whether it's a loss of a relationship, a loss of a dream, um, uh, a change in a situation, a job ending. There's so many ways in which um, life going forward and losses and death interweave. And so the ceremony was to bring together um, all of us to be in community um, because um, it's really hard to grieve alone and there's something significant that happens when people come together and just know that we're sharing our grief. And Jiso, who's the Bodhisattva that carries us across the threshold of life and death was with us present as part of our evoking of Jiso to bring us the fearlessness and the gentleness and the the determination really to enter into this process of grief. Um, and so um, this was a very special ceremony because everyone was invited to make an offering to express your grief and to express your honoring of another person and bring it to the Jiso altar. And then we had a ceremony where, where we chanted together and then we took prayer flags out into the Jiso garden back there and hung them on, on, the, on the trees uh, with another letter of expression of love and grief. Um, so it was very moving, I think, for people who were here. And there was something about um, making an offering that sort of brought a sense of transformation and movement through grief not seeing grief as an event, but as a process of healing. Um, but um, when I was later in the evening, Saturday night, after the, the day, and I was, you know, sort of sitting quietly with my husband, and all of a sudden I said, you know, it's really hard to talk about grief. And I didn't really expect myself to say that. Um, but I'd been talking about it now for three or four weeks. <laughs> and uh, something about it was suddenly really hard. And um, I began to just sort of wonder, well, what is it that's so hard about talking about grief or more so expressing grief, feeling grief, going into one's grief? And um, I guess what came to me was that um, if we really acknowledge grief, we're actually having to face all the way down to the bottom, really, what it means to be a human being. Um, because we love, we care, we're connected to each other. That's how we um, are alive. And um, that's what's meaningful. And yet, on some level, we all know that we all die. We all know that things come to an end. And this knowing really isn't necessarily on our conscious level, but we live with that knowing. 
So to talk about grief means that we have to look at that straight, straight ahead. And um, so uh, it's unavoidable, really, this intertwining that grief and love are sisters. They move and flow together that it takes courage to, to love because in those moments we know that at some point um, loss or death will come. So as I was like reflecting on all of this, all of a sudden I started to think of my dad who died 39 years ago. And it was kind of shocking. I hadn't really thought about him in a long time. And uh, um, what came to me at that time was, wasn't just that, that he had died, but that my dad was a tenor soloist. He had a beautiful voice. And even though he was a business executive, he sang professionally all the time I was growing up. And it was so beautiful for, to hear him sing. But I know that he loved to sing. And so when he had his heart attacks, he had three, you know, it affected his lungs and uh, he couldn't really sing anymore. And so my, my grief this week was this deep sadness for him, for what that must have been like to have not been able to sing anymore. Um, you know, so, so tears came and um, but also memories came and I started to sort of see him younger singing uh, and hearing his voice. And so there was some joy that came too. Uh, but I guess um, what struck me <laughs> is uh, that if we are open to grief, <laughs> grief itself is a kind of mysterious thing. And it actually confronts us with what does it mean to um, actually live close to what is exactly coming up moment to moment in our lives. Um, uh, because I don't think that I could have gone there really if my husband hadn't been nearby because there's something about grief that it only opens up in you when support is there. <laughs> It has its own mysterious life. It comes up when there is some, some way that you can be received. It may be Jiso, it may be the community or Sangha or another person. Um, but uh, this challenge of uh, being so present to what's arising that you're also free to turn towards what's difficult and what's hard and that that's what opens up the flow and the movement forward. I mean, um, the more I, I learn about grief, it's like grief is a process that wants to be expressed, wants to open, wants to become something else. It's a transformative um, healing process, actually. Um, so how we grieve also is sort of infinite too. Um, uh, I met somebody whose father died when they, when they were very young. And then as an adult, began to realize that they had never been to his, his father's gravesite. In fact, he didn't even know 
where his father was buried. Uh, and so that awareness then set in motion a kind of a journey, you know, trying to find the gravesite, you know, going to the grave, talking to his father for the first time in maybe 20 years, you know. So once it gets awakened, there's a kind of um, activity or movement that wants to happen and and opens us into more of the richness of what it means to be alive. Um, I was talking to, to somebody else recently who um, his wife's father died and um, he was very impatient with her. You know, it's kind of like, well, how come she's not over it yet? You know, it's been months. And, uh, um, but he sat in on a grief support group that she was in and um, listened to other people talking about their experience. And he then started to reflect on his own childhood and realized that he grew up in a family that was not really physically affectionate, that didn't express emotion. And he said, actually, it, my parents were kind of cold. And so this experience then opened him. He began to comfort his wife. He began to hold her, be, began to start to think of places he wanted to take her for, for like a vacation, for fun. He realized that he wanted to live differently. So, um, you know, these possibilities of transformation happen if we can be present to what's arising um, and to be present to what's not comfortable, what's painful at first anyway. Um, there's a book, it's called uh, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe our practice life, when we're called to come into the moment freshly, you know, this is the wild ride of our practice life um, because it will open things in surprising ways and grief is part of it. Um, I have a little card in my, my meditation room. It says, the great raw gem is never polished. The great raw gem is never polished. Uh, it's kind of an invitation to, to be raw, <laughs> you know, to, to break down, um, to scream out, to rip paper, um, just to let something come out and then let it go. Uh, so um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm, I'm saying this Way I kind of want to because uh, I'm, I'm kind of wanting to, to say, yes, grief is part of all of this, but underneath it all, it's about facing impermanence, you know, practicing with an understanding that everything does change, nothing is permanent. And uh, what will happen if we embrace that? Um, I was thinking of this other situation where I, I, I met this, um, the sisters of somebody that I was close to. And it was like this wonderful experience to meet her sisters, but they had come in from other parts of the, the country. And so, um, so we had just this precious encounter and I was so joyous. And, but then when it was over, I thought, oh, 
I can't wait to see them again. You know, like I want more of this. Um, but but as I thought about it, it's like, well, that actually help, didn't help me stay freshly in this moment that will never happen again. <laughs> you know, that there was something like almost precious of, of this particular encounter that would never be again. And uh, it's sort of like this is our practice challenge, I guess, because we have to keep catching ourselves, wanting to hold on or wanting to turn away. Um, um, and I think especially with grief, there's often resistance. You know, well, I don't want to go there. You know, it's going to interrupt my life or I'm on the I'm on a groove now with what I'm doing and, and why bother. Um, uh, but that resistance is kind of a surface thing. It's, it's just keeping us at the surface. Whereas if we practice in this way that we are staying with what's arising in the moment, then what ends up happening is, is that we go down layers, we go down deep. And, you know, people say that there is no bottom, actually. That if we keep staying with, this richness unfolds and we learn more about ourselves and about other people. Um, so in a certain way, we want to have the courage to die into the moment, you know, to let something unfold, whether it's, you know, deep sorrow about a loss or whether it's, you know, something unexpected that just came your way. Um, There's a poem by Rumi that I really like. It, it goes, this rain weeping and sun burning twine together to make us grow. Keep your intelligence white hot and your grief glistening so your life will stay ever fresh. Cry easily like a little child. So we want to sit on the summit of a thousand mountains without leaving the crossroads, without trying to get away from what's, you know, what's coming that could send us on a wild ride of deep grief or joy or um, unexpected change. Uh, 